The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we're talking about uh, the living in a world where the wired, tired, and technology converge. Uh, each week, we talk with HR and business thought leaders, and I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm here with my co-host, Keith Compagna. Uh, we're actually in the same room for a change, uh, and in the same country, same state. Our sponsors today are Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. You know, one of the best parts of hosting the podcast, um, I think we're up to 25 yeah. uh, for, for this, uh, is having the opportunity to interview some of the very, the, the most talented people. And uh, today's no exception. Uh, what's even better is that when a guest is a good friend and colleague, is it seems we're always so busy, uh, we just never have time to catch up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without making an appointment. So these are uh, sometimes these are just catch up calls for me and uh, they're, they're fun. So today we're going to be doing two things. I'm going to catch up with Carrie Goyette, uh, who's uh, been a good friend and colleague for the last few years. And we're going to discuss her brand new book, J- Non-Obvious Guide to Emotional Intelligence. And while emotional intelligence has become somewhat of a buzzword, mm-hmm. um, we'll definitely talk why it is not. Um, Keith, um, you're going to love talking with Carrie. Yeah. Um, yep. I know we just, had, you just had a minute or two before yep. the show started. Um, and, and we're going to talk a lot about why it's so important today in talent selection and career development, people sure. making changes. You're going yep. through a transition now and, and people just don't realize it's important. They think it's like, oh yeah, I took this test or I took this course or, um, you know, and I scored well. I mean, it's much more than that. You know, it, it, to me, it reflects the reality, and we talk about it almost every week and maybe even every conversation we have, is that how the very definition of work is being redefined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from the software industry, I could tell you that a lot of the end users I spoke with are challenged with the idea that they have to rethink the way they do their jobs. You know, whether or not they were aware of the uh, influences software can have on them, it's really interesting to be a, you know, a fly on the wall time and time again, and watch how people come to terms with the idea that they have to rethink the way they're going to do their work. Or don't come to terms. Or don't I mean, come that, to that, terms. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a huge issue. I over, uh, you know, just got back, I had a week off, and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, you asked me, your leading question was, was how was it, you know, right. did you relax? And, and yeah, I did. And, you know, I took, I, I did take one or two calls and I checked emails and things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when, you, when you're not doing it within the confines of, of uh, four walls yep. uh, and you're overlooking a deep blue, literally a deep blue sea. Yeah, um, it's it, better. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely better. But I caught up. There were two books that I, I wanted to read. Um, and one was about artificial intelligence in HR mm-hmm. by Ben Eubanks. Uh, nice. Really, really good guy. I met him at the Sherm Talent. And they picked up his book, and uh, it it just it, it, the top the way he writes the topic and everything just resonated. So I, yeah. I actually almost read it twice um, because wow. I've got my Sherm uh, conference 
presentation coming up uh, where there's no H and you know how to keep the H and HR, yeah. and that seems to be a growing popular topic. I've had mm-hmm. a couple people that have um, uh, actually reached out to me about doing doing that again, and then I read another book that I had read uh, last year at at Convergence, which I'm going back to Cornerstone, um, and that was about technology and humanity. You know, how do we keep that? And and kind of long way around to what you were just saying is where people are really struggling mm-hmm. with, uh, as you know, and Terry and, and Carrie writes about it in, in her book, too, yep. about VUCA, you know, yep. volatile, uncertain, um, complex and uh, ambiguous mm-hmm. about the world we live in. And people are, are trying to come to terms with that. And it sort of becomes, hey, I'm not going to use technology. You know, we, we got to disconnect. Yep. Yep. We, we got to break away from technology, which is going to be impossible to do. Correct. And then the other flip side is people who are always connected and technology has become their life. Yep. So part of this conversation becomes how do we allow, how do we use technology efficiently and resourcefully yep. and use it as tools to improve our humanity? Sure. You know, sure. rather than replacing that. I, you know, it's, it's, this is such a mind trip for me because this is the exact thing that life work integration is doing. Because what I see is the, 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 the need for most individuals not to read a book and not to, to listen to necessarily a podcast, but ours are available on all of the listening uh, agencies. (laughs) But the reality is, is that people are, are, it's hard to change. And my life work integration, the concept, the company I'm putting together, the consulting I'm putting together has everything to do with give me the chance to work with a group of your employees and help them develop what it's like to integrate their life and their work, which is technology and no technology and habits and new habits without being afraid and, and recognizing now is the best time ever that you could do it. And and to make that transition, I mean, this part where everybody says, oh, I'm not going to use technology or technology is the best and I get, you know, and allows me to stay connected and I can be on a beach and yep. still be, you know, in yep. business. You know, the, rea- you know the, the, the reality is, is how do you, how do you blend those? And, and right. emotion, and that's a great segue because emotional intelligence yep. um, is this buzzword that's turned thrown around and it's like, oh, that's only for leaders mm-hmm. or how do we develop more emotional intelligence? Well, it, it's much more than taking a course and graduating with a certificate and saying, yep. oh, now I got it. Right. You know, right. I mean, it, it, it's much more than just becoming smarter. And that's why I kind of really excited when I found that, um, that Carrie uh, actually approached me a couple months ago to kind of review the book and, and write an endorsement for it and it's uh it's just a practical you know way to do it so we're we're going to talk a lot about that and uh, now i guess as good a time as any to kind of bring carrie in um carrie i've met carrie a number of years ago through one of my assessment uh, groups um and uh, through another colleague of mine and we sort of hit it off instantly became friends and we've worked together on a number of different you know projects and things over the years uh she has a company um she's president and founder of aperio consulting out uh in missouri but she works nationally as well as you know as we do mm-hmm. um she's also a tedx speaker she was a tech, tedx uh, sponsor nice. you know, at one point and uh, no, she had an event. We'll have to check in on that. And we've done a lot of work. Her and I have done a lot of work together. How long have you known each other? Um, I don't know. Well, Carrie, are you out there? Yeah I, I, yeah, I am. I am. Thank you guys both for having me. Yeah, I, I think it's been about seven years. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. I was going to say, so I, I don't think it was quite 10, but I knew it was somewhere <laughs> between now and then. Yeah, in there. 
Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we also met through the quality of motivation. Where I, I remember that was the reason we did that, and we've done some work on that. And another fascinating, uh, uh, you know, theory and and uh, I, I guess skill set that people need to to develop. So, Carrie, I mean, welcome, welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be on the show. So, so your new book. Non-obvious guide to emotional intelligence. Um, I love that title. When when you when you uh, when when you kind of sent me the draft to kind of review, um, I, I guess I'm not surprised because I knew you were looking. You know, I mean, this has been uh, you know one of your interests. Um, but what mm-hmm. what prompted you? Why, why did you why did you choose this to write about? Um, when there's so many other things uh, I know you do and and you're talented in. Mm-hmm. Why, why emotional intelligence? I get asked to speak all around the world. I've spoken in Barbados and and Austria on the topic of emotional intelligence. So I've I've realized it's a very requested topic. And as you mentioned earlier, it's quite the buzzword in the media. Um, But what I often find either in, you know, as I'm doing these keynotes or I'm working with with clients, um, it's a buzzword and it's a concept that they affiliate with and say, yeah, we we know we need it. We know we need um, to increase our emotional intelligence. But then when I ask them, what does that mean? Uh, it's funny. They all of a sudden start to kind of trip over their feet. Um, you know, they'll talk about empathy or it means this. And so I, I realize that they don't quite understand the full impact of emotional intelligence, but not only that, just how critical it is, especially in this, this new environment that we're, that we're going into how critical emotional intelligence is going to be. And because I'm, you know, I'm passionate about the subject because I've seen so many leaders be impacted, whether it be negatively or positively um, due to their emotional intelligence. I've seen a lot of fallen leaders uh, that have, that have been fired and a lot of um, employees that just um, have really struggled over time because of low emotional intelligence. And then on the, you know, to contrast that, I've seen people that have, have really thrived um, even in this very tough environment. And so it just became something that I was passionate about. And then I wanted to break it down. I mean, that's where the non-obvious piece comes in. I wanted to break it down and make it simple, but also very compelling as to, to why it matters and why it's so important for all of us, not just leaders, to work on it. So why, so I mean, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but why, mm-hmm. why, why do you think people actually call you and, and want a keynote on it? I mean, obviously there's going to be some pain, some interest there. Is it just yeah. that, hey, we read about it and it was in Harvard Business Review mm-hmm. or, you know, New York Times or Wall Street Journal and, and uh, mm-hmm. we think we should have this or is there, there actually a, a deeper rooted um, kind of sense or, or need to understand that what, what's prompting all this? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, for some people, I get asked just because it's it's kind of the latest and greatest. It's the interesting buzzword. We want to hear about emotional intelligence. And then for others, I think it goes a little bit deeper. Um, I think they're seeing the need that it's not just something that would be nice to have, and that would be great if we worked on that. I think other people are starting to see that, oh, my gosh, we're, we're, we have problems. I mean, we, we have significant issues because we don't have effective leadership capacity built within our organization. And here how, here's how it's impacting us. We're, we're, having, we're experiencing high turnover rates. One of my clients um, got serious about it when, they're, when their turnover rates quadrupled. And so I would say it's a little bit of both. They're just panicking. Um, some are panicking and some are excited about the next new thing. 
So for, you know, we, we probably have a lot of people that have, are, you know, that are maybe often the people that are sitting in your audience um, and they've heard the term, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're interested in it, they, they accept it, mm-hmm. but they're not sure exactly what it is. So, uh, you know, just for everybody, I mean, it's been around a while mm-hmm. I and mean, this isn't new. This right. isn't necessarily a buzz. It, mm-hmm. It's a buzzword now in 2019. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. You know, Daniel Goleman really popularized it in the early 90s. Uh, so it's been something that's stuck around, but maybe hasn't, uh, um, you know, a lot of people are interested, but maybe now it, the, it's really important. But what kind of what are the stages? I mean, what what is how, how do you describe um, emotional intelligence to the, you know, to the layman, to the person on the street? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the you know, what is it and and how does somebody improve it? Okay. So emotional intelligence, or what we'll also call EQ, which stands for emotional quotient, is really defined as the ability to identify, assess, and control your own emotions, influence the emotions of others, and and that of groups. And so when you think about kind of the core elements that go into emotional intelligence, you've got the self, you've got others, or the social component, and then the the piece that I brought in with my book that is often missing from emotional intelligence conversations is, is also the environment. And so when you put those three together, that really is kind of the, the, the core element of emotional intelligence. How people typically build or increase their emotional intelligence is it usually starts with the self. So, you know, again, that's around self-awareness. Um, how effectively can I adapt and control my own emotions? And then it goes to the social, how can I better influence and persuade and get buy-in with my teams? Um, and then, you know, again, ideally what we're trying to get, especially with this environment, is start to look at the environment and, and determine um, what skills are actually needed. Everybody doesn't need to be high in everything. Um, you know, for instance, a surgeon, when they have a body on the table, you do not want them to, to have high empathy. And so in that environment, you want them to have low empathy and, and be very analytical um, but the problem is when that surgeon walks into the door and greets their partner, um, that's where the problems come in. They, they sometimes don't shift knowing this is mm. a different environment. This is a real person and a loved one. Now I need to express more empathy. And so the better that we can get at reading our environment and adapting to what is needed in that environment, that's kind of the real kind of, um, I would say, the trifecta of emotional intelligence to be able to get to that point. So you had a couple great quotes in in this book. Um, you know, one was oh, it wasn't quotes; it was, it was stats. Uh, one was mm-hmm. that seventy percent of people believe that they are in the top ten percent of their peer group when it comes to self awareness. Which I always say, you know, the first thing is, and it goes back even before <laughs> Daniel Goldman into Stephen Covey is is you know, mm-hmm. is know your uh, first seek to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, I took an assessment. Yeah, I remember doing a Myers-Briggs and a disc and mm-hmm. and I had a coach once. And, yeah, I'm, I, I, I got uh, I'm really aware of myself now. Um, mm-hmm. So but, you know, it, it's that overestimation. It's that's that overconfidence of I've done it. And uh, but, you know, reality, they're not very good at it. Uh, a second part of that was even, uh, I, I don't know if it's the corollary, I, I don't remember if it was the same person or not, but or the same study, but 82% believe they were in the top 20% of their peer group in, uh, in self-awareness, and 98.5% believe they were in the top half. <laughs> so, you know, it's like the one percenters are in the lower 50%. Everyone's unhappy <laughs> and everyone's okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So there's this whole. I mean, so even when you come down to the root, uh, the the very basic, you know, the, the rudimentary aspect of um, emotional intelligence, there seems to be a disconnect in that self awareness uh, area. So how? So when you're dealing with leaders uh, or or anyone, and they approach you. And they say, you know, we, we, we want to improve this, but we, we don't think this is our problem. You know, is we want them to show more empathy, but the self-awareness, um, you know, we, we think everybody's self-aware because last year we hired a coach for everybody. How do you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know how, how, where do you go from there? <laughs> That's a good question. So, so, yeah, everybody thinks they're way more self-aware than they actually are. And so that's where I use assessments and N360. So I have them do an assessment and I can look at their level of self-awareness and then also gather feedback through a 360 or I will, um, you know, do it manually. I'll just go in and ask um, for feedback of their teams. And with the two of those, then I sit down with the leader and we look over their self-assessment, what they reported um, and how does that compare with the 360? What are others saying about them? And so it's, and that's how I'm trying to bring their self-awareness um, much closer to an accurate picture of self-awareness. And I will say that first stage is pretty tough for leaders. I've worked with, um, you know, VPs of, of, of an NFL team, you know, really like ambitious go-getter leaders. Um, and it just about brought them down to their knees. They're like, man, I knew this was going to be hard. I had no idea how hard it was. Uh, so it, there's a little bit of a painful process sometimes um, going through the self-awareness piece. But once they get there, what's really cool is now now that they know it, now there's something that they can do about it. And so there, I spend quite a bit of time on that self-awareness piece because if I can't get them past that, it's going to be really hard to build any skills beyond uh, that. That makes perfect sense to me. I was just about to ask you, is there a, tip, what's, is there a general tipping point? that you recognize that people get to, like your, your clients will, will reach? Mm-hmm. Is and, there, and what do you mean by that? In well, what context? You know, it, you, you, you mentioned the quick story uh, that you referenced about someone mm-hmm. saying, oh, I knew this was going to be that aha moment where someone says, maybe mm-hmm. I'm not as mm-hmm. uh, aware as I think I am. Is mm-hmm. there a, a, a specific element that you see that resonates with most people or is it a one by, one-on-one thing? Um, I think it, I think it depends. Um, it's probably more of an individual aspect. Um, but I would say, you know, most people, most people resonate with the fact that, that they want to do some skill building in, in a, in a particular area. And I would say most people also will admit that they, they're not exactly where they need to be to get there, that they don't think that they're all fully, you know, self-actualized. Um, but I think the disconnect is, is typically on, what actually needs to be improved. And that's why it's really fascinating when you get the 360 feedback. Um, some things they will, they will say, yeah, I, I knew that. I'm not surprised by that. And other things, you know, that were just completely in their blind spot um, that they didn't realize. And, and the, those, those aspects are what's probably the most painful for, for them to realize. Sure. So, the, you know, you and I have come up through the ranks of uh, DISC and, and you talk about values in, in the assessment. I'm introducing Keith to those mm-hmm. <laughs> currently, uh, in, you know, and in, in in where he's headed with work-life integration, life-work life integration. I'll now get I that have right. to yeah. correct everybody. <laughs> so life-work integration, uh, but life before work, right? Yes, because that, that's what matters. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you mentioned the 360. So people may be may or may not be aware of that, where you'd go out and you ask a lot of peers and your bosses and, and how you think you mm-hmm. approach it. Um, I assume you the other assessments you use are the disk and the values. Is, is that, mm-hmm. am I correct? Yeah, it, it, it somewhat depends on, on what I'm looking for. But yeah, most often I use the disk and the values and then the, the quality and motivation questionnaire. Okay. So you have, uh, so I'm going to go back again, still struggling a little bit with that question I had. Uh, the, you have this leader who comes in and he goes, you know, I, I, you know, one is I need to fix everybody else except me. Uh, you know, and the rest of my team, because I've been coached and I've been mentored and, you know, I've been through this, uh, and I've had 20 years experience. So I know how the world works. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if I was the client calling you and that was, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I'm saying that, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that you got, you you know, I I want you to come in and fix my team. What's, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Uh, What's your approach? How, how do you? How do you go about doing that? Which assessments do you use or what's the conversation look like mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. what, what are the steps? Because I think this is where companies struggle because they think they can go out and they hire a consultant and they do a half a day session mm-hmm. on emotional intelligence and now everybody's better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't work that way. It, it's, <laughs> it's a process. It's a process, not a program. And so in order to build emotional intelligence, there's, there, there's, there's definitely key learnings, but there's also insight, reflection, and then there's the, you know, implementation of these new skills. How can I try this? Um, that's, that, you know, that's an issue that I get with almost every client. They always identify somebody or another team or somebody else other than themselves as the problem. Um, and so, you know, you know, you know, I've, said, I'm, I'm, you know I've said that years ago. I, I don't want to forget this. I, I don't know how many times, and I don't do a lot of, you know, this, mm-hmm. that type of the team building, but I don't know how many times I get called about team building. And mm-hmm. my first question with that is that who are you trying to fix? Because most pe- most companies didn't proactively go out and, and say, hey, you know, things are going really well. Let's do a team building exercise. Mm-hmm. It's usually there's somebody or there's somebody or some buddies on the team that aren't getting along and they don't know how to deal with them, but they don't want to single them out. So they call it team building. Yeah. <laughs> You know, right. and, and I right. sense that emotional intelligence sort of comes into the mix. It's like, oh, we did team building and that didn't work. So let's reach out to emotional intelligence now. You know, maybe, maybe right. that's maybe that'll fix it. <laughs> right, right. And that's that's what a lot of people will do. But again, it's a process. It's not a, it's not a pill. And so I will often work with the team, but will identify certain people if, if they have, you know, particular issues or they're very low in emotional intelligence or the problem is the leader. Um, when I work with the team, you know, you're part of the system. And so I always, in fact, if I get asked to coach, um, I require that I, that I work with the entire team because people are not in a vacuum. They are part of a system. And so that's where you can take one high performer, move them and put them on another team. And, and, you know, whether or not that environment is, is set up for them to succeed will determine whether or not they succeed or fail. And so I do think working with the team approaches is, is good, but then you have to work with individual um, aspects within that. So certain leaders may have, um, like the leader may have certain competencies that they're low on and, and need to improve on. Um, and then the team may be avoiding conflict. You know, there's all kinds of issues that manifest because of that. 
So I actually work on all sides, and I found that when I do that, you can, you can get results much faster. I, I worked with a team that was falling apart. Three of their top performers um, were getting ready to, um, to leave. They said they'd had enough. It was going to be $1.3 million in turnover costs. And in six weeks, we had the team stabilized. Uh, and that was nice. partly working with the entire team, although a lot of the issues were stemming from the new leader that they put, um, that they put in charge of that team. Well, it goes to show the value of getting someone like yourself in there so that you can mm-hmm. you know, maximize that new leader's potential. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to change lanes a little bit on you here, but not too much, I promise. Mm-hmm. You talk about mm-hmm. how diverse the audience in your classes might be or the clients that you speak with. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any differences or had experiences with the what I, I call the new digital natives uh, as compared to the uh, Generation X and maybe baby boomers you work with, do you see any difference in the way that they respond? Um, any 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 patterns with regard to generations? Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're um, diving a lot into the generational um, kind of diversity and the needs of the different ger- generations. You know, one of the issues is you know, and Ira, I know you've talked about this a lot, but you know, with the boomers exiting the workforce. Um, we've got a real leadership gap crisis because Gen X only represents about um, 28% um, of the workforce. And so there just aren't that many of them. Now, Gen Xers, we're kind of, I'm I'm part of Gen X, so we're hardcore. We're all about efficiency. (laughs) Um, We want it done and we want it done now. And unfortunately, we're managing a lot of the millennials and then the Gen Zers that are starting to enter the workforce. Um, and, And that doesn't always sit well with the millennials. And so I don't know how many times I hear leaders that are just like, I can't figure out how to manage this younger, um, this younger generation. Uh, and they, they are, they're, they're digital natives. And so, um, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity. And I, I will say the younger generation is that, um, that are the digital natives. I think you have to bring in technology to the training. Uh, it's something I did resist initially, um, but I realize it's such a part of their life. And we need to acknowledge that. Um, the, the key is, you know, as you talked about before, we have to keep it as a tool and it has to be helpful. And so we're bringing a lot more technology into it. We're, we're doing, you know, surveys right during the training that they can do on their phone. And so they love being able to have that instantaneous feedback. And so, you know, the other thing we're noticing with the younger generation is they're used to posting on social media and getting, um, and getting immediate feedback. And, and again, the, our older generations are not great with, with um, offering timely feedback. So a lot of, um, a lot of younger, um, younger employees are leaving just simply because they're not getting enough feedback in the cultures that they're in. So we're just seeing a lot of um, interesting, interesting differences between the generations. And, and so it's been fun to kind of navigate some of those issues. Yes. Hey, just a reminder to everybody, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Our guest today is Carrie Goyette from Aperio Consulting, and she is the author of a new book, The Non-Obvious Guide to Emotional Intelligence, uh, which is really something that, uh, well, everybody should be listening to this, and and, uh, really a skill, uh, an ability uh, that everyone is going to need to develop. Uh, as a reminder, we're also recording live today. Uh, you can call us at 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. 
uh, with questions, comments, uh, what's going on in your mind, uh, especially if you have something for Carrie about emotional intelligence. And we will be right back in two minutes. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the common derailers. And we're going to continue our discussion about uh, emotional intelligence and what's keeping people from moving forward. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real Yellow Pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real Yellow Pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let success performance solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with my co-host, Keith Compagna, and our special guest today is Kerry Goyette from Aperio Consulting. We're talking about emotional intelligence, millennials, VUCA, <laughs> growth mindset, uh, a whole lot of things. Hey, uh, during the break, we, we got on a discussion about, uh, well, con- sort of a continuation about, the, uh, about what we were talking about before, and... Um, you know, about the leader, you know, an older leader um, calling up and wants to know how to fix the young, you know, the young team or resist the technology. You know, why can't we do it the other way? Um, I, Carrie, I got a question for you on the, on the other end of mm-hmm. it. And Keith um, experiences a little bit of this and been around a lot of startups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get some, I won't say necessarily young is the right one, but that's who's usually doing the startups. Um, you know, late 20s, early 30s, um, you know, we're, we're talking about some big dollars, got a great concept, starts to put a team together. Uh, and then um, the ego. I mean, one is, I guess, some of it's uh, low self-awareness. It may be lack of empathy. Um, you know, certainly they've got a lot of good things going for them, focus intelligent you know focus and intelligence and mm-hmm. um but uh, have have you worked with any startups with any entrepreneurs and what's your you know what are you seeing there um you know do they have a 
you know, or the more, well, I, I guess, what was it, Travis uh, from Uber, uh, who got uh, booted <laughs> yep. out, yep. you know, and, and we can all identify the ones that probably have gotten, you know, too too big for their britches, you know, yeah. <laughs> eventually got booted out. But what, what do you, I mean, are you doing any work in the startup space? Like we that? are actually, we just, we just finished a study, a pilot study on entrepreneurs looking at um, if we could predict if there were predictive factors of success or failure um, with, with the actual entrepreneur. And so we, we actually went in and, and looked at 120 different traits. And what came out of the study was that there were eight predictive traits. Three were predictive of success, but more interestingly, five were predictive of failure. And so we partnered with an angel investing group. They were so excited. The study has actually been getting a lot of attention because we're not really having that conversation. We're talking about we need more innovation, we need more startups, and we know that you know entrepreneurs typically are creative, um, and, and that certainly is one aspect of it, but we're really not talking about what is it that they're bringing to, to the table that can potentially cause them to derail or fail. Right. And that, you know, that the derailers actually came out as much more highly predictive than anything else. What were some of the elements, if you could share with the, us, what, what are some of the areas that someone might want to know that they need to work on? They just mentioned five so, factors. Yeah, so part of it was around impulsivity, so their ability to build and maintain relationships over time, the, the fact that they will actually um, put um, a group of advisors around them and, and listen, <laughs> actually listen to their advice. Um, when they go in and guard their ideas too much or their ego gets in the way and they have, um, they're way more overconfident and underestimate the situations, all of that impacts their ability to problem solve and move the startup forward. Because as you know, um, you don't have brand recognition and, and you just, you hit a lot of challenges along the way that you have to, what I call, you know, MacGyver your way out. Sure. And so the, the, the entrepreneurs that showed up in the study that do this well, they do, they act like that MacGyver. They're willing to listen to advice. They try, they test, they course correct. They're just these really amazing kind of tenacious, resourceful problem solvers. And so, yeah. And so in the study, what came out are all of those things that got in the way of that, of that type of problem solving. Nice. Well, and I know you talk about that a little bit. I mean, it is, you know, obviously my, one of my, kind of, I won't say a niche, but sort of the passion was VUCA, you know, the, the volatile, mm -hmm. uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That was my, you know, my TED talk, and it sort of launched the book, and mm -hmm. and, it's, and it really describes the world we live in. And, and not that emotional okay. intelligence is the solution, but, you know, the, the counter, um, I won't say the, the counter side to, um, um, or the antidote. I guess DeVuca mm -hmm. was, you know, vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. And I know you mentioned mm -hmm. those in the book, not necessarily vision as much, but uh, vision's probably having high self-awareness, but, you know, certainly understanding, mm -hmm. clarity, and agility uh, as, as mm -hmm. being important factors. Were, were, that, were, were those some of the traits that you measured? Were you looking for agility? You know, was, was that one of those top three traits that predicted um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs who were successful? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that agility, and I'm getting asked for that. I work with um, some high tech companies and, and they're finding in, in their world that that agility piece, that mental agility is, is starting to be just incredibly um, crucial 
in order to kind of move the company forward, in order to be able to leverage more innovation within the companies. And that's a great thing. You know, millennials are incredibly um, innovative. And yep. so the key is, are we creating the environment so that we can get some of that innovation out of them? Um, but that mental agility is the key. And so I've actually gone in and done training on mental agility to be able to increase it so that we can leverage more of that innovative um, talent that we have. Well, and you've heard my spiel before. I mean, one one of the things is about curiosity. I mean, it's not only being creative, mm -hmm. but it's about being mm -hmm. curious. So you, you can be creative mm -hmm. without being curious, which people always find that a little bit puzzling. You know, so, you know, one of the things mm -hmm. you, you and I share, you know, have used the similar assessment that measures how curious, actually two similar assessments, two assessments, mm -hmm. and it's how curious is somebody. And it just, it just blows me away that that there's so many people that sort of read the headlines, take things at face value. You know, they have a few trusted sources. They that's that's their right. scope, and and as long as they've heard it from you know, you know someone, uh, then it must be true. Uh, and, and so curiosity is a big piece. I mean, is that one of the areas that you're you're working on to develop? Because I know you also wrote about something I wrote about in my book. Uh, you know, uh, fixed mindset, the fixed versus, versus the growth great. mindset. Um, you know, so th this all, I mean, all this sort of goes back and it, it, it starts making sense to, to us. Hopefully it makes mm -hmm. sense to the people that are listening. Sure. Sure. Right. You know, so. right. Yeah. We, yeah. I'm doing a lot with curiosity because you're exactly right when, you know, our brain is actually not very good at looking at data and then being able to, to, to make sense out of that data. And we like to think that we're a lot more logical and, and we use all this great cognitive reason, reasoning, but our brains were not designed for that. They were designed for survival. And so that's why we can be easily tricked. And that's why our brains are lazy too. We wanna to be efficient. And so we will often just say, okay, well, I heard somebody that touted that, um, that information or that statistic, then it must be true. So, you know, there's, there's a believed fact and then there's a checked fact and, fact. and so most of us go off of believed facts um, that we never have actually checked. And so we just have to understand that our brain has biases and that it wasn't meant to um, decode data and make sense out of it. We actually have to train it to be able to do that. So curiosity, diving into, um, diving into to data and information a little bit more deeply and understanding being acutely aware of our biases and where we're going to get tripped up uh, actually can make a pretty significant um, difference in decision making. So you mentioned, so agility, curiosity, I mean, you mentioned in your study that there were three. What, what did we cover those? That there were three traits well, the, that were good predictors? <laughs> the, interesting, the interesting thing, and you'll love this, Keith, is around work-life integration. Um, we think that as an entrepreneur, we have to, like, burn the midnight oil. And, I'm, you know, again, I'm not arguing that as an entrepreneur, yes, you absolutely do work hard. But um, those that just completely burn themselves out um, or, or run it too hard, will it, it's actually predictive of failure. So there's a little bit of this kind of, um, I think, misconception around entrepreneurs that, that you just are working constantly. And I would say that's probably going to be a recipe for failure. Um, and, and again, successful entrepreneurs obviously work hard, but they view it more as integration. And so they're having fun and they figure out a way to integrate it because it just starts to become who they are. And so, you know, again, this is where the younger generation has done better than the older generation because they may go out and take the dog for a walk for 20 minutes, work a little, you know, they're just better at kind of taking these snippets of time and, and using them. And research is showing that they're actually, um, they can actually be more productive than the older generation that thinks it has to be in like this really big block of time and that we have to, 
you know, work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I, uh, I know you've known Ira for a good while, several, year, several years. Uh, this conversation is absolutely blowing my mind. I just watched uh, a TED Talk, Adam Grant, and he talked exactly about how there's so many assumptions that people bring with them, and they inherently think that it's smart because it got them to where they were in their success path. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there's so much new stuff, and you've got the, the influences are so much greater than people give credit to, and that could be not having enough sleep or paying attention too much to your, your, your phone, where you simply don't realize how little you know. And that, you know, there's an in-between where you can be a successful entrepreneur and not be working 160 hours a week. There's a, you can actually slow down and by slowing down, you're able to be more creative because you don't have that urgency part. But some people like that urgency part and we used to call them procrastinators, right? (laughs) Now they're starting, you know, Adam's conversation was, our TED talk was about how um, he might have been judging procrastination too much because right. he's a procrastinator. He said he worries about things ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've gotten into this culture of doing. We just have to do all the time. But what 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 we're really suffering, and it goes back to the, how it's impacting creativity and curiosity, is that we're not spending as much time thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, constantly doing and constantly being tethered. Um, and constantly just pushing ourselves, uh, it, it does, I, I can tell you in the brain, and that's where I try to bring in a lot more neuroscience into the emotional intelligence conversation, just because we've learned so much more about the human brain than we ever knew, and it really impacts our ability. Um, you know, I think when we understand the brain better, it helps us in understanding why emotional intelligence is so critical. And that's why, you know, we only have about two, or, two hours a day with our prefrontal cortex, you know, the, re, the, the part of our brain that's responsible for logical reasoning, cognitive analysis. And so, you know, the rest of our brain is, is, is really leveraged by the, the limbic system or the emotional centers of, of our brain, which is, are the, is the unconscious part. And so that's why emotional intelligence is so critical is because we're unconsciously being driven throughout our day and making choices throughout our day. And so that's where we want to take the unconscious and make it conscious. And so if we burn, burn ourselves out, we can tell ourselves this lie that this is what's got, gotten us to where we are. But what we don't understand is that probably is not necessarily true. Sometimes it's dumb luck that got us there. Um, right. and sometimes it's a lot of other factors. So you have to be careful about making those assumptions. You know, the, and I know you're familiar with StrengthsFinders, um, the assessment, uh-huh. and, and even the way a lot of other profiles are written, that people like to look at their strengths, and, they, and you know, there's a whole philosophy out there to just build on your strength. And, and you know, you, you brought, we, we talked about it briefly, but you brought up the six, uh, the six common derailers um, mm-hmm. that, and, and just to give people a sense of, of how important that is. Um, there was a quote you had, derailed managers cost their companies more than 150% of their annual salary. Um, so you mentioned, you know, one of the derailers was impulsivity. Um, you also mentioned five others. Were they, were they part of the study that you had or were they just more in general? Uh, they, they actually were measured in the, in the study, but, but these are in general across the board, not just for the study, but yeah. So they're conflict avoidance and impulsivity, blame shifting, control, perfectionism, and, and power hunger. Yeah. I mean, you you see that. Okay. 
Yeah. And, the, you know, again, I really disagree with positive psychology and only looking at your strengths because the people that I work with, it's not their strengths that, that get in their way or it's not their strengths that cause them to um, injure their career or get fired or, you know, not get the promotion they were hoping for. It's almost always the, the derailers. And so that's just a piece of the self-awareness. We are humans. And we're a little bit messy and we all have the potential um, to derail at some point. And the, 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 the key is, though, if you know it and you know what your triggers are and you know where you, you potentially could derail, then you can actually do something about it. And you can put some structure in place. You can put some safeguards in place that will actually prevent you from derailing. And so it, it really enhances your self-awareness. And if you're, not, if you're not looking at that part of the equation – I will tell you, you're, you're somewhat, I mean, I don't mean to be harsh, but it's somewhat delusional. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I've, I've been doing it a long time as, as well. And, and uh, you know, people will say, but the, the report said they were an 87% fit. And I go, mm-hmm. yeah, but they failed on the 13%. I mean, you, you can't mm-hmm. ignore that part. And right. it depends on how serious that is. Uh, you know, what, what the intensity of, of that derailer is. And, uh, you know, I think, um, Kara, I don't know if you remember, I, I, don't, I think we met after I was doing some training on it, but, you know, using competencies. And I know the, the right. one which is pretty popular with these is the Lominger competency model. And they, I think they had 80, there was 80 or 90 competencies that people can develop. And then they had a list of 30 derailers. And it was, uh, I always looked at the derailers because it was, you know, that was when you describe why somebody wasn't working, they always pointed to a derailer and they never said, oh, they had these nine good things and that was good enough. Right. They always looked at the one derailer. So I think that's really important. And, and if, you, if you just read the news, I mean, you know, look at our whole political system of blame shifting. <laughs> I, I think uh, our, the whole, our whole societal conversation could be, you know, improve dramatically um, if uh, we got a little bit more emotional intelligence in in uh, Washington. Yep. <laughs> so, right. If we're waiting for Washington to give yeah. this country emotional intelligence, <laughs> yeah. then uh, and, 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 and got... conflict of. Gotten pretty close to the end here, Carrie. Um, how do is your book out yet? I mean, is it available yet, or I, I can't remember when your publishing date was. Yes, so it's it's out on Amazon right now on pre-order, and then it gets released June twenty eighth. Okay, and the title of that is non obvious non obvious guide to emotional intelligence by Carrie Goyet G O Y E T T E. Um, how else can they? How else can listeners get in touch with you? So you can reach us on our website at thinkaperio.com, T-H-I-N-K-A-P-E-R-I-O.com. I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn, and so you're welcome to reach out with me or reach out to me that in that avenue as well. Okay. Any final word of wisdom for our group? Um, I, and I guess one of the things is where could someone get started? You know, if, if somebody says, yeah, I, I, you know, I realize I need to um, be, you know, I, I need to become more self-aware. I need to see, you know, if I am who I am. We're, we're, what's the first step? I would say the first step is to pick up, um, pick up a book on emotional intelligence. Again, hopefully my book, if not my book, another book. Um, and then the, the best thing that you can do and put in practice right away is just start to ask for more feedback. 
So ask peers, ask your manager, ask, um, ask your family members what's one thing that you see that I could do to improve in whatever it is you want to improve in, X, Y, or Z. That has been shown consistently, not only with adults, but also in children, uh, that when you get uh, good um, critical feedback, that that actually will increase your emotional intelligence. Yeah, and and another book uh, I suggest, and I know you wrote about this as well, which is uh, Carol Dweck's book about uh, fixed yes. versus growth mindset. That's just eye opening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. just eye opening. And, and by the way, it's a D. Her last name is D W E C K. I know you can get it up on. Uh, well, you can read. You can read a little bit about it in in Carrie's book. Uh, you can read about it in Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, which is my book, or you can read it in her full book. Or where there's a lot of excerpts out there. But I I would definitely look at that because I think that's a good first step on on recognizing why you might be tripping over your own two feet in getting there. Right. I've recommended that book to so many of my leaders that have college age kids and they said it has changed, it has completely changed uh, their college uh, students' perspective. And then even um, one of the universities now, based on my recommendation, has made her book um, required reading. Smart. For all yeah. of their students coming in. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend Carol Dweck's book. Yeah. Carrie, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, excited to have you, especially at the launch of your new book, uh, the, especially in the pre-order stage. Wish you the best of luck. We need to uh, continue to catch up. And uh, your, your book's it, your book's great. because And I'm biased because it covered so many of the, the topics that I'm passionate <laughs> about. And uh, you did a great way to tie this in. Uh, just, just fabulous. So good luck with it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being on your show. Yeah. Likewise. So Keith, there goes another, we got another episode under, under our belt almost. Um, any closing words for today? I I think it just stands behind the idea that what really matters is how people are going through their lives. And the idea is that if you can help yourself do that in a happier way and help others, you're going to enjoy the way you'd go through life. You're going to enjoy your career path, no matter where you're starting now. If you just take a few moments, breathe, think about what feels good, move in that direction, and good things will happen to you. Yeah, and I, and I think we talked a lot about this for employees and leadership, um, but you know, one of the common questions I get is, what should I develop, or what should I tell my kids to develop, mm-hmm. what skills? And you know, it's a broad umbrella, but emotional intelligence yeah. is, is, is a huge piece of that. I, when I talk to the CEOs about life work integration, I'm ultimately presenting the idea that you should help your employees develop self-awareness and happiness. Yep. Same thing, right? Life work integration. Life work it. integration. We're coming. Good. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're always interested in hearing what you got on your mind. Let us know how you're doing. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor or just sharing a few thoughts, uh, give us a call. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can call each week at uh, 561-623-9429. Uh, you can listen to a rebroadcast of this on any one of a number of uh, platforms, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, Alexa, Roku, um, iHeart, um, Talk for Podcasting. Great Windshield University time. Yeah, absolutely. Until next week, Geek Skeezers and Googleization, this is your host, Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift get your plans.